0: Hello and welcome to the Devlin Peck podcast. I'm Devlin Peck and my mission is to help you improve your instructional design skills and land better opportunities. If you're trying to become an instructional designer, then you can get the free interactive checklist at becomeanid.com and this will guide you through my content step by step so that you know exactly what to do next. Otherwise, take a deep breath, relax and enjoy this episode of the Devlin Peck podcast. Instructional design is a great field that offers a lot of freedom and flexibility, and in this guide, I'm going to go step by step and give you everything that you need to know to become an instructional designer effectively. So I have some updated data from over 100 hiring managers and over 600 working instructional designers. And I'm gonna share those insights with you to help you become an instructional designer as quickly as possible. So I'm Devlin Peck and I became an instructional designer back in 2017. I started helping people become instructional designers almost immediately after that, once I realized how much opportunity there was in the field. And then in 2020, I started the ID Bootcamp and I built a team of my own and we've been helping people become instructional designers full time ever since. So this is the most rewarding thing that I do. It's the most rewarding thing my team does. And this is my favorite video to record because I've seen the difference that becoming an instructional designer makes in people's lives, especially coming from fields like education, where you might be getting overworked and underpaid. You might be feeling undervalued. Um, it's a really nice breath of fresh air once you transition into instructional design and you know people report uh, making two times their salary or getting their nights and weekends back or just feeling much more fulfilled. Filled and relaxed overall. So it's really nice that there is a field like this out there for people who are passionate about helping people learn. And we're going to dive into all of that in a minute. Um, I do just want to let you know that this video, like we're going to dive deep. We're going to cover a lot of ground. So um, this would be a good video to bookmark because I'm going to reference a lot of other videos throughout. And this will just be a good video to come back to time and time again on your journey to becoming an instructional designer. So with all of that being said, let's dive into it and um, I guess let's first discuss why you would even want to become an instructional designer. So the first big one is that you can help people learn and make a difference. Now this is what draws a lot of people to education, but again, it's nice that there are other fields out there um, where you can still do the same thing. So that part of you that really wants to make a difference, it really, it's really passionate about teaching and education, that part of you still can have an outlet in the instructional design space. Um Also, according to this recent data, which is consistent with the data from years prior, 93% of instructional designers are satisfied with their work-life balance. Um I remember getting into the field, this was like a big selling point for me because all the teachers I was talking to, they were like... Don't go into this field like it's a lot like, you know, we deal with a lot of other things. It's not just teaching the subject you love to engage students, for example. So then when I was learning more about instructional design and how how much more satisfied ID's are with the work life balance, I was quite intrigued, to say the least. And then the total compensation to the average total compensation is about $87,000 in the United States. So this covers people who are working full time, people who are working freelance. Um, This is on average how much instructional designers are earning in the US. So pretty respectable, pretty comfortable. Um, About a quarter or a fifth of all IDs are making six figures. So we're going to dive more into that in um, next week's video about how much IDs make, but Another another great part about this is you can leverage your transferable skills. So, whatever field you're coming from, if you're coming from education or another design field, or maybe from like a project management role or even a training role, no matter which field you're coming from, there are some transferable skills you have that you'll be able to leverage as an instructional designer. It is a really interdisciplinary field. So, um, again, you have some experience that's valuable in this field. And if there's something particular that you like doing, like if you really like working with the technology, or if you really like working with people or project management, like you will be able to find your place in this field because it is such a big field with so many different skills that are valuable in it. And then also, you'll build new skills that you can use to impact the world. So it is just a good investment in your professional development. Like as a human or as a professional, it's it's not just going to be valuable only in like a little instructional design bubble. So there are a lot of people who eventually move on from instructional design into like user experience design or user interface design or um, computer coding, like front end development. There are some people who move into that space. And then even outside of like your um, working life, like it's still really valuable. Like, for example, over the past few months, I've been getting more involved in like some community um, leadership initiatives like here locally to me. And the instructional design skills are valuable with like getting to know your audience and um, designing effective learning solutions to help serve them. Like it's really powerful in a lot of different contexts, not just in like a corporate setting where you might be working. So great field. Now let's take a look at the overview to becoming an instructional designer. So the first step is I would make sure that instructional design is right for you. And we're going to dive into all of these deeper. This is just like in a nutshell, the steps to become an ID. So once you know whether or not it's right for you, if it is right for you, you'll want to learn the knowledge and skills. Then you'll want to create your portfolio, which is where you show off that knowledge and those skills and kind of show off who you are as a person and what you can bring to the table. Then you'll optimize your resume and your LinkedIn profile so that you can start driving traffic to your portfolio. So now you'll have a lot of people who are finding you, finding your portfolio website and seeing what great knowledge and skills you have. You're building your case for being a great ID. So you'll be applying to roles and preparing for the interview. Then once you are doing those interviews, you'll be negotiating and accepting that offer and enjoying your new career. So here's the overview. We're going to get much more specific in the slides to come. This is the general approach, though, that I would say to becoming an ID. Now, I do want to reassure you like you can do this, like you've got this. It is a bit intimidating at first. Um it, it it can feel overwhelming when you realize like how much there is to learn. Everyone feels this way. And then also I will mention like there have always been fears about the market being too crowded. Like I remember when I first learned about the field back in 2017 and was like, you know, learning this information like I'm sharing with you now, I was like, this sounds too good to be true. Like why don't more people know about this? Like I, I'm probably not going to be able to get work here. Like, why would people want to hire me? <laughs> and like, I've heard the same thing like hundreds of times from instructional designers over the years. You know, every year people are saying, oh, the field is getting more crowded. It's getting, you know, over oversaturated. These things aren't true. Like if you put in the work to learn the skills, like you are going to have jobs waiting for you. Now, third caveats to that, like it's obviously going to take work. It, it can be an emotional process. Like, you know, it, it can feel overwhelming, But the world needs good instructional designers, and the field is always growing. No matter which reports you look at um, about the future of our field, it's either the field is growing at the same rate as average, or more often, it's growing more quickly than average. So you can think about all the stuff people need to learn out there. Instructional designers' whole job is like helping people learn more quickly and efficiently and effectively. So you can imagine um, the demand that there will be for instructional designers. So again, I just want to reiterate: like, if you put in the work, you will be successful. Even if there are times where it feels like, you know, why is someone going to hire me, or you're feeling that imposter syndrome or that doubt in yourself, everyone who's made this transition has felt the same way. Um, you know, you if you're putting in these steps, if you're learning these skills, like these skills are valuable and in demand. So again, I felt the same way in 2017. People felt the same way in 2020. People will for sure be feeling that way going into 2024 and beyond. Now. Like I mentioned, we want to figure out if instructional design is right for you before you go investing like dozens of hours into like pursuing this as a career. So do your research before making the commitment. This video is a good place to start to get an overview of like what this process looks like. But you'll also probably want to learn more about what it looks like on the job. So I have we have a video out called um, "Is Instructional Design Right for You." We'll link all of these videos in the description. So check those out. You can also look at instructional design job listings and like seeing what the tasks entail and if that's something that would be interesting to you. So you could just go on like Indeed, for example, and look up instructional designer and look at some of the roles there talk to instructional designers in the field. So we have a community space for that at devlinpeck.com ID or devlinpeck.com slash ID. I should say we have like thousands of instructional designers in there. You might know some instructional designers in real life or again, you might start networking with some instructional designers as you follow the steps in this video. Feel free to ask them if they wanna hop on an informational interview, if you can ask them about their work. Like really try to get a good picture of what this job looks like. Keeping in mind that One instructional designer's day to day can look very different from another instructional designer's day to day. So again, these roles, um, no two instructional design roles are exactly the same. But again, it will just be a good idea to see what's out there and and, and try to find at least one person doing something where you're like, that's exactly what I want to be doing. That sounds right for me. Of course, you won't know 100% if instructional design is right for you until you actually get in there and start doing some instructional design work, but I'm sure you can have a pretty good idea based off of what you know you like about, um, you know, your, your past experience. And a lot of times people are drawn to ID because they really like that, like designing, learning experience idea and like, yeah, designing, engaging ways to help people learn. If that speaks to you, odds are this is probably going to be a good career for you. So again, there are a lot of ways that you can take your ID career like I mentioned earlier, if you're really into the technology and the development, you can specialize solely in that and not really have to work with like the subject matter experts and and um, some of the more front end stuff. or if you want nothing to do with the technology, you could work you could work directly with the subject matter experts, you could write the learning experiences and then you can hand those things off to a developer so that you don't have to use the technology as much now the way to like really thrive and really stand out and be eligible for the biggest number of opportunities is if you can do both of those things, like the design and the development. But again, there's so many different ways to specialize within this space that you don't like have to do something you don't want to do in most cases. Um, And again, we have some day in the life videos coming out where we interview a lot of instructional designers who are working in the field and we share those interviews here on the channel. So if you're interested in those and if you're enjoying the video so far, then make sure you subscribe um, and you'll be the first to know when they go live. Okay, so next up, you'll want to learn the theory. So hiring managers have showed us like. They've spoken out pretty heavily this year that they want people who can apply instructional design theory and science. Now, a couple of years ago, this survey was all about people who could develop e-learning. We need people who know the tools and can develop e-learning. Now they want people who know the ID theory and science. So this is more important than ever. So here are some of the questions we asked these hiring managers, what are the top three skills that you look for when hiring an instructional designer? And number one was the ability to apply ID theory and science, then communication skills, and then e-learning development skills, which we'll get into a little bit later. But those are like the top three skills. If you have those three down, you are going to be very well set up to be successful in the instructional design space. So applying the theory and science and development. And then of course, if you can communicate well, like you are going to be a amazing as an instructional designer. So, um, I would suggest learning these top theories and models and taking notes on them as a first step, like get your knowledge bases covered, like make sure you know what these theories are, what the main point of them is and like how to follow them and apply them. So get comfortable talking about them. So again, when I was getting into the field, I was like constantly talking to my girlfriend about this stuff, like basically trying to teach it to my friends, um, talking to my classmates about this stuff, like basically rehearsing it as much as possible so it became like second nature to us. Um, So between the notes and talking about them, you'll be pretty well set up for talking about it in interviews and for actually like recognizing the language of the field when you see these things in job listings or when you hear your coworkers or peers talk about them. But you'll really need to show off how you can apply them. So this part is really important, and that's where your portfolio will come into play, because essentially you'll you'll build some portfolio projects, and in the write up for that project, you'll explain here's how I applied this theory, here's how I uh, here's the model that I followed. So you'll be able to walk hiring managers and other and other people through your process for applying these theories. Again, that is the most important thing you can do this year to stand out um, as an instructional designer and break into the field quickly and effectively. So what are some of these top theories and models? Here are a few. Um, Addie for an ID process overview. And, and again, we have content on all of this stuff. We're going to link it all in the description. We have a playlist that guides you through it and a checklist that you can download with the link in the comments. So like, you don't need to learn it all right now, but this is just like an overview of the most important ones. So learn Addy. That's, like the, that's usually where people start when they try to learn about ID models and theories. So that's a really, really good one to begin with. Bloom's Taxonomy for Writing Learning Objectives. You might even already be familiar with this if you are coming from education, but that's, that's an important skill in the ID space is writing good learning objectives. Um, Kirkpatrick's model of evaluation. Now this one has, the hiring managers have said this is more important than ever. So Kirkpatrick's model, learn the four levels. Um, people talk about them quite casually in instructional design, so you should definitely know what each of those levels are and how to evaluate them. Again, we have a good video on that that's helped a lot of people. Um, Gagne's nine events for streamlined instructional design. So if, especially if you're like brand new to education or you're brand new to designing learning experiences, I would say Gagne's nine events is like the most streamlined way to dive into it. And um, in the most like foolproof way, I would say, it, it makes sure you have all of your bases covered and makes sure you're giving good practice opportunities. You're grabbing the, the learner's attention. It's just a really good uh, model to kind of say, here are the conditions that are necessary for a good learning experience. And you can kind of satisfy all of them in like a systematic way to make sure that all your bases are covered. So check that out if you haven't heard of it, if you're new to it. Um, Mayer's Multimedia Principles, Th- these are really good for designing like... Um, for desi- if you want, if you're interested in designing e-learning or making like educational videos, you should definitely learn these multimedia principles and le- and get comfortable applying them. Because again, that's a big difference between like an amateur e-learning designer and an actual good like skilled e-learning developer des- or designer. So check those out. Um, And then again, you could check out my introduction to instructional design video. It's kind of like a masterclass on like the theories and the science. We dive deeper into all of these things. Um, So that would be a really good next step if you want to learn the theories and models. Um, So again, bookmark that one too, if you'd like, It's, it's a good one to start with. So here's what the hiring managers had to say about the top three instructional des- design models, theories, and concepts that ID should be familiar with upon hire. As you can see, no surprise, Addy is first. Then we have writing strong learning objectives. And then Kirkpatrick's, again, kind of soared up in the rankings this year. So um, that's a good one to keep an eye on. My interpretation of this data is, yeah, hiring managers are, are getting more and more interested in instructional designers who do know the theory and science, who can't justify it with these evaluation techniques. And um, we're kind of going back to some of these yeah, foundations of instructional design. And it's it's changing a little bit because back in COVID in 2020, the rush was all for e-learning. We want people who can develop e-learning, who know the tools. So we're seeing maybe a lot of people know the tools now, but we need more people who know these models and these theories and these science, the science and the principles. So if you want like a secret advantage or a leg up in the job market, this is is definitely the stuff to be focusing on first, I would say. Next up, once you're more comfortable with the theories and the models, and again, it doesn't need to be like one than the other, but after that, you'll probably want to dive into the tech and start getting comfortable with the technology. Because as we saw, the field is still very like e-learning dominant to say the least. And um, to to really have a great shot at landing roles, you'll almost definitely want to know the technology unless you actively don't want to be working with it. So this is the most common skill gap especially people from com- coming from education like if you're coming from education you might find that like the theories you might already know them or you might know them but like in a different by a different name or by some different terms. So usually if you're already really skilled at helping people learn and designing learning experiences in a different context the theory isn't a huge gap but the technology usually is. So I would say start with Articulate Storyline. It's the most popular tool in the field by far. And showing off these skills alone will probably be landing you interviews just because of the demand for people who can design this self based e-learning. And it's quite fun. So start with that. You probably haven't used that in other fields because it is pretty specific to the instructional design world. Um, and I would say once you've, once you've gotten hands-on with Storyline 360, upload an e-learning project to a learning management system. Now I have a video that shows you exactly how to do that. Um, it might sound kind of advanced, you know, I put SCORM package in there, like that's technically what it is. You publish the e-learning project as a SCORM package, and then you can upload it to a learning management system, and that's where like your learners will go to take that course. I'm suggesting this here, because that is an intimidating thing that you'll see on job listings, like experience with learning management systems, like be comfortable with SCORM. And when you're new to the field, it's like, what in the world is that? But it's actually way easier than it sounds. So I have a video about like, I think how to use a learning management system, and it shows you exactly how to do that, so. Again, bookmark this, but when you're a little bit further on in your journey and when you are diving into the e-learning tools, make sure you do that because it's going to it's going to be very reassuring to hiring managers to hear that you have done that. Um, And it will just be really good at helping you build your confidence on like how the whole process works for getting an e-learning project live. Some other good tools to learn are Photoshop, Illustrator, Figma, Vyond, and Camtasia. Some of these are from the Adobe suite. Figma is for doing like wireframes and visual mockups. Vyond is a really good tool for making um, animated videos pretty quickly and cost effectively. And then Camtasia is kind of like a basic video editing tool. So those are all good ones to know. And then I'll also mention that AI tools are becoming increasingly popular. That is something pretty new in the last like six months or so. Um, It's having a big impact on our field. And some of these AI tools like ChatGPT do have the potential to become some of the most important tools for instructional design. So keep an eye on that. Things are, of course, still developing with the AI tools. We're going to see what happens with that. I do have a video on the top AI tools for instructional designers. So if you want to like future proof yourself and see what's out there and maybe can in a way that um, instructionals who are, instructional designers who are already in the field aren't really like keeping up with, then the AI tools, again, check out the video on the top AI tools for instructional designers and see if any of those speak to you because they can give you a really nice advantage in the field. So when we ask the hiring managers, what are the top three tools and technologies that ID should be familiar with upon hire? No surprise, three quarters of them said articulate storyline. Again, that tool has... Um, it's really established in the industry and it's the best one to learn. After that, learning management systems. So again, that's why I suggested building that that e-learning project in Storyline, publishing it and uploading it to a learning management system. Just by doing that, you're gonna be a good candidate for you know three quarters of these ID roles out here. So that's what I would suggest. You can look at these other ones. I would also note that a quarter of all of these hiring managers put ChatGPT or other AI tools as one of these one of these top three tools that that ID should know so that is of course different than anything we've ever seen before times are obviously changing with the AI stuff and I'll show you this question too from that hiring manager survey almost half of all these hiring managers are currently using AI tools for ID tasks and 35 percent of the ones who aren't say that they plan to within the next year so if you're someone who's trying to break into the field you know I know there's enough to learn already. You don't need to feel overwhelmed by this, but just know like this is changing. This is something you might want to keep an eye on and at least know which AI tools are out there, um, which hopefully watching that, that other video I recommended will 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 help you out with. So from there it's time to create your portfolio. So again, at this point, you've you've learned the theories and science, you're, you know how to kind of apply it to some projects, and you know articulate storylines so you can actually bring those e-learning projects to life. Now it's time to start building some projects and putting them on your portfolio website because this is the real money maker. This is what's gonna get you hired. So it shows off who you are and what you can do. It honestly helps at every single stage of the application process. It helps it helps people get like find you in the first place. Um, once people land on your site, it builds their confidence in you and, and gets them wanting to interview you. and then people can use your portfolio to evaluate and with the interview to determine if they should hire you and what kind of offer they should make you. So again, this, this makes all of the difference. Um, from our from our survey, we found that new instructional designers with zero to three years of experience with a portfolio earn around five thousand dollars more per year on average than instructional designers without a portfolio. So it does have like an immediate and lo- and long term um, impact on your earning potential in the field, and then also it impacts your ability to even land a role in the first place. So over a quarter of hiring managers say that they won't even like consider your application if you don't have a portfolio website and only 7% of all of these hiring managers don't consider your portfolio as part of the process so 93% of these hiring managers are looking at your portfolio and for some of them it plays a massive role in the hiring decision so yeah this is not something you want to skip um, again as something you know there there are some people who will be complaining about not being able to find work in this field odds are if they're complaining about that, they don't have a solid portfolio website um, or they don't have a portfolio website at all. So when, when people come to me and they, they talk about that, I'm like, well, how does your portfolio look? Because if you don't have a portfolio, trying to land a, a role in this field is kind of like playing the lottery. And that's obviously probably not where you want to invest your energy when when applying to roles does take so much time and energy. So the portfolio is the ticket to landing these roles. Well, can't can't emphasize that enough. Um, and, and the number one thing you'll wanna show off in your portfolio is your ability to solve real world problems with instructional design. We have a ton of content here on the channel on how to do that when you get to that point. You can look at our flagship project videos. Um, it's helped a lot of people land roles with just a single project on their website. So we have content to help you out with that when the time comes, um, but that these are the things that hiring managers say they want when they're looking at a portfolio. So the ability to solve real world problems and they evaluate the um, user experience of the website and the project. So you want to make sure that people aren't like getting confused, trying to navigate the site or find your projects, because that's going to be a fast way for hiring managers to kind of disqualify you. And you obviously want your portfolio working for you and not against you. That would be quite counterintuitive if, 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 if it was just confusing people. So feedback helps a lot. So um, especially when it comes to like your portfolio projects, these are going to be the public facing things that people see. Um, these these are going to be how people are forming their like first impression of your, your workability really. So the more people you can get feedback from, the better, especially if it's feedback from people who are in the field or who have some design experience. And I just want to show you this data. So in the ID bootcamp, that's like what our... That's like our flagship offer where like my team and I work with you like one-on-one and give you a ton of feedback like on all of your instructional design deliverables. Our we we survey all of our graduates from that program and the average salary is $95,000 for people in the US. The industry average salary for people in the US is $83,000. Overall, like peop, even people with 10 years of experience, you know, the conglomerate. So it's pretty amazing that with some with some feedback and extra support by showing off these things that hiring managers are looking at, looking at, these people who are transitioning into the field with very little experience. In most cases, no formal ID experience are earning 12 K more on average than the entire industry. And then for new IDs, the average is 78 K. So quite a big difference. Again, I attribute that to feedback. Um, so and then again, when I was getting into the field, you know, there were no boot camps or stuff like that. But when I was asking my girlfriend at the time, I was like, how does this look to you? Like, what's your impression looking at this? Like when I was going to my master's classes, um, like before class would start, I'd be asking like my classmates, like, oh, what do you think about these visuals I had here? So, again, it doesn't need to be in a formal, formal boot camp program. But if you can get feedback from people who have any idea what they're talking about, um, it will help a lot. Because, again, you want to you want to give off a really good impression. So if you want to see some of these portfolios that come from the bootcamp and that help people land these kind of roles, you can go to DevlinPec.com slash showcase. That might give you an idea of like kind of what you're aiming for or like where the bar is at for breaking into the field, like quite effectively with a portfolio website. From there, once your portfolio is in good shape, you've gotten feedback, you've applied that feedback and and you're proud of it and it it presents you in a good light. It's time to create your instructional design resume because now the name of the game is like driving traffic to your portfolio website. So you want to get your resume to the top of the pile so that you can get those eyes on your portfolio because that's going to like seal the deal for you. So on the resume, the main thing you wanna do is brand yourself as an instructional designer. So you wanna make sure that when, when a hiring manager is looking at this resume, it reads as, okay, this person knows the field, this person knows what we're expecting of them, and they have some experience doing these instructional design tasks, even if they haven't held a formal instructional design job title. So reframe your responsibilities in instructional design terms. We have videos to help with that. Um, And then if you wanted, like if there are certain roles that you're really excited about, you can tailor your resume for those roles specifically by using the language, not just of the field, but of that specific job listing. Um, So again, we have videos to, to give you better ideas of that. But as a very quick example, you know, if you're coming from teaching, you might have on your teaching resume that you created lesson plans. But for an instructional design resume, you would change that to designed learning experiences. So this is just one quick example. There are hundreds of more examples like this and things that we can do where you're you're talking about the same thing, but you're using terms that instructional design hiring managers will understand more, and you'll be using terms that translate better to instructional design. So it's kind of like your job to show, you know, you have your past experience, you're going to learn what an instructional designer does. It's your job to bridge that gap for the hiring managers and show, here's how this past experience actually is very close to what I'd be doing as an instructional designer. Um, and, And especially if you're coming from anything like education or design related, you will be able to do that. It just takes some practice and like internal reframing, I would say. And then... The second thing that people should see on your resume is the link to your portfolio website. The first thing they should see is your name right beneath that. Hopefully emphasized in some way is the link to your portfolio, because again, that's the main purpose this resume is serving is getting people to your portfolio website so that they can see what you're really capable of. And then you'll be optimizing your LinkedIn profile for a similar purpose. So this will help you land interviews and freelance clients. Like, again, this helps people break into the field. And then once you are in the field, if you have a well-optimized LinkedIn profile, there will be people reaching out to you consistently about freelance projects. And uh, around 10% or so of instructional designers also take on freelance projects in addition to their full-time role, just for some extra income or to, to work on some projects that are exciting to them. So... Again, we have full videos on on all of this stuff. We have deeper LinkedIn videos, but the general idea is to use keywords like instructional designer and e-learning developer throughout your portfolio. So all of the keywords that hiring managers would be searching for when they're trying to, to hire an instructional designer, And then once your, once your profile is a bit more optimized, you'll be growing your network and building your presence. So you'll want to connect with as many people in the field as possible so that you show up in more searches so that your feed has more instructional design, relevant content. Um, and if you, if you want to post about your journey or comment on people's posts, like thanking them, like those things will build your presence too. And if you're like showing up in the community in that way, um, sooner or later it's going to pay off for you especially if you can be consistent with it so that part isn't like required but again it can only help if you have the bandwidth for it or if it speaks to you um, you can also use linkedin to do informational interviews like if you find someone who's working as an instructional designer at a company you want to work for you could run it by them you can introduce yourself you can ask if they're up for a quick you know 15 30 minute coffee chat so you can ask them about your ro- the role because it's your dream role More people, you know, some people will definitely be open to that, and more people than you might expect would be open to that, especially if you approach it in the right way. You can also use LinkedIn to research companies, research the people who work at the companies you might want to work for, and overall, again, drive traffic to your portfolio site. So, pretty early on in your LinkedIn profile, you're going to say, You can view my work and learn more about me at, you know, devlinpeck.com, for example. And then doing doing that like that's how i built my freelance business very early like i came into this field right out of undergrad a week later i started my masters program and and got my um my first freelance client that same semester and I was able to build a six-figure business only through LinkedIn. Nobody was finding me through Google. People were finding me from LinkedIn. They were finding my portfolio website on my profile. They are going there and they are saying, hey, I love your work. Um, can we hop on a call and chat about a project I need help with? So every year as a freelancer, once I finished school, was making six figures, which blew my mind because I thought I'd be making like 60K or something as a full-time employee. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in this field and I attribute like almost all of my success to my portfolio website. So using LinkedIn to drive traffic to that portfolio website is a very um, powerful combination, I would say. And the other thing I would say about LinkedIn is like, don't get discouraged by the negativity. That's something I've seen happening more since COVID, especially with like the industry getting shaken up a little bit. I mean, you know, COVID already took a number on like all communities, I would say, not just the ID space, but with all of the um, teachers coming into the field it's been it's been causing some reactions right some people are losing out on opportunities to teachers with less experience and they're coming in and making more money and taking these roles with like you know really impressive portfolios so there's been some some negativity around that there's um yeah, so I, I would say, I guess, just know where that is coming from. I'm um, don't want to discourage you, right? I've had to give people a lot of pep talks where they're like, you know, on LinkedIn I see that the field is oversaturated, or like I won't be able to make this like salary I want to make, or yeah, just kind of like some fear mongering. Um, again, if you're doing these steps and if you can create an impressive portfolio, and if you if you have the motivation and like time and availability and all of that to get this done, you are going to be able to become an instructional designer successfully. It won't be easy, but it is definitely possible. And um, yeah, I would say just keep in mind there are a lot of different perspectives on LinkedIn, um, but please don't ever feel like it's impossible to accomplish these goals that we're, we're, we're going through in this video. And once you've got that done, the last thing you can do to really kind of like um, accelerate this process is apply to roles directly. So you have that resume in hand, you have that really nice online presence with your LinkedIn and your portfolio. So now it's just applying to positions that seem like they'd be a good fit for you you definitely do not need to meet every requirement. That's a very common mistake for people who are getting new to the field. Like if you can meet 50% of the requirements, that's great. The people we work with in the bootcamp, like we encourage you apply to roles that are asking for five to seven years of experience. And that was something I had to learn too. Like... I when I was getting into the field, I was like, I'm not gonna be able to get any of these roles. Like, I don't have five to seven years of experience. But if you have the portfolio that shows off the skills that people people would be developing over that five to seven years, that is going to be again doing way more heavy lifting than you would expect. So yeah, you don't need to be going for like a junior instructional design role, especially if you're putting in all the time and effort that it takes to learn these skills and do this portfolio you're going to be applying to roles that ask for experience. Like, you know, people go directly from teaching to senior instructional design roles. I wouldn't say that's the norm, but it it definitely happens. Um, And very few of them, I would say, go to like junior instructional design roles. So you're looking for like a solid ID role There's going to be some years of experience requirements, but again, if you're doing the work to kind of internally reframe your experience and think about how the ways in which you have been doing instructional design work, even if you haven't thought of it that way before, if you can translate that again in an interview, you're you're going to be just fine applying to roles with experience requirements. I would say research terms or concepts that are new to you. I mean, that's probably not like a groundbreaking suggestion, but try to know what's going on on these job listings at least so that... It doesn't feel like you're reading a foreign language and it very well like will feel like that in the beginning, especially like SCORM and LMS and XAPI and like all these different abbreviations. But, you know, give it a month of looking at these job listings and it's going to feel very different. So it's overwhelming at first, but over a few months, you're going to be absolutely surprised at how far you've come with this transition process and we're going to do a deeper video on like how to look for instructional design roles and how to evaluate these job listings but here are some search terms you can use again feel free to like screenshot this or just you know you'll you'll be able to find your way back here if you've bookmarked the video but instructional designer e-learning developer learning experience designer curriculum developer learning specialist course developer and then any combination of like these different terms like these these jobs are listed with a wide variety of titles so don't feel like you have to stick with just the instructional design keyword that's going to, um, you're not going to be doing yourself a lot of, a lot of service by just sticking to that. So keep that in mind. And then for interview prep, you should have, you should definitely be landing interviews at this point. If you're not landing interviews, it means there's either, either an issue with your resume or your portfolio. Um, and it is a numbers game, so I don't mean like you've applied to three places, you should be landing an interview. But if you've applied to ten or twenty places, you should at least you should definitely have a few interviews out of that. So this may be discouraging, but this is just the reality. Like it may take over a hundred applications, it may take over ten different interviews to find the perfect offer. So it's really easy to feel discouraged once you put in all of this work. You start applying, and then if after a, you know a couple or a few weeks you're not really getting any traction, it's easy to feel really discouraged and be like. What did I do all this prep for? Like, I'm doomed. Like, it's an emotional part of the process to be going through the interviews. It's easy to get discouraged. But the reality is, like, it is going to take a little bit of time. It is going to take a lot of applications. Um, But you will find the right fit if you've put in the work building these skills like there is a demand And it really depends on like where we're at in the year I would say like where we're at in the hiring cycles like some parts of the year like the end of the year It's pretty slow some parts of the year. Yeah, you can get a role in three weeks So I would say it probably takes between three weeks and on the long end three months To to really land that perfect offer and uh, get the role that you're going for so You want to ideally build a human connection with your interviewer, treat it like a two-way conversation. We have some good videos on the channel that kind of um, show some examples of this and dive into it. But um, yeah, don't sell yourself short. Like, you know, you're interviewing the interviewer also and keep in mind that everything is negotiable. So you can negotiate on salary, you can negotiate vacation time, remote options, the list goes on. Um, there are especially people coming from education, like they're used to like a very structured, like pay scale. Like if you have these requirements and have this many years of experience, like this is how much you're going to make. It's not like that in the corporate world. There is a lot of room to negotiate in most cases and at most places. So, um, Yeah, if you have someone in your court who can help you out with negotiation, it will probably pay off very big in the long run and then enjoy your new career. So again, if you've if you've done all these steps, you will find a new role. That doesn't mean it's immediately going to be like all like rainbows and butterflies. Like there is always an adjustment period after the transition that can be overwhelming in a different way where you have to kind of get up to speed on the new lingo, especially if you're going, if you were in education your whole life and now you're moving into corporate, like there is a new kind of culture to adjust to. But um, again, the, the things that most people mention are like the increased pay, having nights and weekends back those pieces have a really big impact on people's quality of life. And then, and then also, especially if you're coming from education, you may find that some of like the, um, Some of the things that felt normal to you in education and some of the ways it impacted your mental health, like it doesn't just immediately go away once you leave education. It does take some time to like mentally adjust to to the new career and the new like work environment and all of that. It's and it's in a good way, but it's still an adjustment nonetheless. (laughs) Um, And then, as you can imagine, your confidence and skills will continue to grow over time. So it just gets better and better as the months and years go on. So what's next? Again, ID is a great field. Your success depends on the strength of your portfolio. I can't, again, I can't emphasize that piece enough. That's what it all comes down to. Um, And for a step-by-step guide through the transition, through building your portfolio, through learning all of these skills, you can grab the free become an instructional designer checklist. I've linked that in the description. It's People have been using it for years to find really good success and and we're always updating it. So you can grab that so you have something to to refer back to and check off as you go. And then if you want some additional help and support, feel free to subscribe to the channel because we have a lot of videos coming out in the the weeks and months to come that will give you a really good advantage on making the transition and um, landing an ID role successfully. So thanks for making it to the end again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Devlin Peck Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to follow the podcast. This is the best way for me to know this content is helpful on your instructional design journey. You can also check out the description for other helpful links and resources. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.